Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Here in one second, uh, Katie Meyer will also be with us here tonight. The, uh, Katie Meyer and her squad have two big games coming up this week. They'll be at home at the Wasco Center against Louisville and Syracuse. And then we'll talk more. Uh, nice article written by Chris Vanini of The Athletic on um, Brett, La- uh, Brett Lashley as well. And uh, we'll talk with him in just a little bit. First, however, with us is my uh, broadcast partner, Don Bailey Jr., DBJ. Happy New Year. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty good, buddy. I'm yeah. doing pretty good. And, and how is... Uh, how is Mrs. Don Bailey Jr. doing? Well, the patient, Priscilla Bailey, is uh, under the great care of, uh, of Dr. Lee Kaplan in, 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 at Lenar, and she's recovering from her little, uh, what would you call this? I would say a, a, uh, a mishap, yes, by her little <laughs> bicycle accident, and getting hit by a car on a bicycle. So she's doing good, man. She's uh, coming back around. She's coming back around. Yeah. Only she not like wearing that boot, though. She not like wearing that boot. Only person I know gets hit by a car and then rides the bike away. <laughs> That's her. With, with That's what, her, one, right? with what, one leg? <laughs> one leg, man. She just... Uh, <laughs> new she meaning got, to, to one-legged one bicycle. New, new meaning to one-legged bicycle rider. Yeah, exactly right. She, uh... She clipped in with the good leg and made it home. So that's uh, that's a good thing. Oh my goodness! That's a good thing. Well, that's a good way. That's how we started. Uh, that's how we started January second. Yeah. Well, that's not so good. Um, okay, University of Miami has a, a new offensive coordinator, Canes. Uh, that's what's happened since uh, last time I saw you in uh, in uh, Shreveport. So, new offensive coordinator, and they're going to go up tempo and spread. Uh, how do you like this? Well, Joe, I, I have to tell you, it's it's obvious that they they had to try and do something right on the offensive side of the football. And I think that I think it's, I'm very excited about who they hired. First of all, let's start there. This was, uh, this coach was at the top of his conference at the top of his game. I love the fact that he has spent time with Malzahn at Auburn. He understands the Southeastern conference. He understands big time football he, he understands and has been taught how to prepare for games that have significant value. If you're at Auburn, you know, you're playing Alabama and you're playing Florida, you're playing the Southeastern Conference week in and week out, and they have to have meticulous game plans to succeed, and they did, and they succeeded. And then he took that to SMU and uh, had great success there and had a pit stop at, uh, at UConn. So he's seen – all types of college football and faced all types of different personalities on the defensive side of the ball in different conferences. So I think that in its own right prepares you for what he's going to see here in the Southeastern conference. You know, I think, I mean, uh, in the ACC. Yeah. and I think, uh, um, I think his move to UConn is, is misunderstood by some, uh, because you would look at it and go, okay, you're going to go to, uh, UConn, a group of five program and take a pay cut, 
and he played for Gus Malzahn in high school in Arkansas. He spent most right. of his coaching career under Malzahn at Arkansas, Arkansas State, and Auburn. He was part of not one, two, two national championship games with Malzahn and Auburn. So that's great experience, two national championship games. But uh, as much as Malzahn uh, tried to give him more and more control to the, uh, of the offense to Lashley, it was never going to be full control because that's the way Gus Malzahn is wired. And, in fact, speaking of being wired, uh, you know, people often say, well, where is the coordinator going to be? Uh, they were so wired that Malzahn would be at the line of scrimmage and Lashley would be down the field watching. Right. That's how they, they watched the game together. But he wanted to have total control of an offense, which he got at UConn and he got at SMU. Well, it was time. It was time to cut the cord, right? And I mean, if if, you, if you're Coach Lashley, you're looking at yourself, and he has a long term projection of what he wants to do and things that he wants to do. And as you mentioned, Gus Malzahn is has been identified as, in high school as being an outstanding offensive guy, and he learned as much as he can learn, and he went and took it on his own. And then you look at the numbers that happened of improvement at UConn, they were significant. And you're going from, like you said, a different conference, a different talent level, different defenses, and you still make huge strides. And then he does the same thing again and gets uh, a great education at SMU, and now he makes huge jumps again. So I think it was a brilliant move by him, and it was almost mandatory if you wanted to continue to grow as a football coach, you you don't want to be locked in uh, and and be branded as this is a clone of this. Now, on the resume, I think it made him highly more visible and valuable to have gone to those other places and had proven success on his own. I think some of this stuff is always uh, interesting to look at. Coaching trees, to me, always are always fun to look at. And in this case, uh, Gus Malzahn runs a spread. It's more of a... Uh, run spread, but Lashley went to SMU. Sonny Dykes, he's more of the air raid guy. Uh, the Mike uh, yes. uh, um, Mike Leach. Mike Leach tree. So you get mm-hmm. both. You get both, and I think that's where a lot of these guys are today when it comes to putting it on chalk. You know, they're they're going to work on offense and coming up with all kinds of designs, which is fun. But in your wheelhouse. The one thing that I knew about Auburn, right, but I've known about Auburn for a long time, and this offense with Rhett Lashley when he was there, and uh, I kind of hated some aspects of it and loved it at the same time, which it takes advantage of the rules. And so offensive linemen, every play looks like a run play, or they did for Auburn. Every play looked like a run play. Offensive linemen can get down the field, three yards down the field. Well, mm-hmm. they don't know the defense – the, you know, part of the gem of this is, is this damn thing a run or a pass? And so that gets into the RPO game. But when your linemen are three yards down the field, that makes a lot of those bubble screens and uh, RPOs devastating. Well, I, it really does because you start hitting on the yards after catch. And you've got basically it turns these RPOs into almost screen passes because some of them are, are shallow crossing routes, as we know, and, and shallow slant, and you're gonna—it's gonna make the catch 
very close to the line of scrimmage. If there's one pawn by the by the wide receiver, those linemen catch up, and that gives them additional blockers down the field. But you know, the thing that that impresses me about it is I think everybody everybody gets the tempo who is a college football fan, no matter who you watch. I think everybody also gets the passing game, and they they love that. But when you can incorporate, like Gus Malzahn has done, a running game, whether it's the quarterback run, whether it's a, a back that has been misplaced and put back and behind the quarterback and the pistol, all those different formations. But if you can put in a running game, now you really have caused great problems for the defense because you're not one-dimensional, as we all know. And at some point during a football game, and, and I would I would really go out on a limb and say this, but I think even the purest guy, let's say is, is, is Leach with his air raid, if he thinks that he can run the football on you, he knows how valuable that is. Well, and that's what I think that we're going to see out of this Miami offense. I think we've got some, some talent uh, at the receiver spot that it could be very, very special. I think we have some guys on that roster that are that were special in high school and have not matured enough or have not accelerated enough in their growth to be great at the college level. I think this spring football is going to be very, very important for the receivers as well as the quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, Miami's at some point in some of these games coming up next year, Miami's going to have to run the football, and I like knowing that this offensive coordinator knows how to accomplish that. Well, they got uh, they got a lot of issues. They'll have a lot of issues to figure out who's going to throw it, who's going to catch it, who's going to block for it, and all that stuff. And uh, as it unfolds, we'll we'll dive into that. This is more of an overview of what's coming coming here and a positive development. And the other thing is uh, talking about running the football and. Uh, we have another signing day coming up here in February, and I think lost in a lot of discussion for the University of Miami has been, and uh, we'll see because I don't, uh, I, I like to watch these recruits and judge them once they get here, but I, I do think it was lost that Cheney, uh, coming out of uh, Miami here, uh, the recruit was the number four running back in the nation, and Knighton from Deerfield Beach is the number 10 running back in the nation. And so they got two of the top ten running backs. Not Clemson, not Georgia, not Alabama was able to do that. Miami got two of the top ten running backs. And so that's going to give uh, Rhett Lashley something to work with here. In addition to in addition to Cameron Harris. But And I, I have to be honest with you. I've never seen Knighton play a game or Cheney play a game. I am hopeful that between their skill and his scheme, they can take it and go all the way. From beyond the fifty-yard line, and go, and that's you know, scoring quick is layups is what you need in college football. But if you're looking for some positive development, they got the number four running back, the number ten running back, and oh by the way, they did get the number three defensive end in the nation as well. Well, I think when this class, really, it's it's, it's both classes. I, let's go backwards for a minute, and you and I spend countless hours talking about this when we're watching practices is that nobody has really talked about what Manny Diaz accomplished with the last year's class. I mean, it, I think he redshirted at least half of these guys. And my belief is, and I will, I'll, I'll write it 
and, and blood is that if you're going to win in college football today, if you're the University of Miami specifically, you've got to get older and you've got to get more experienced. And Manny committed to this class, and he redshirted some guys, and the growth and development that they've gotten because of the nutrition and because of the strength room, and we don't even know their names. People have forgotten their names. After the signing day, you haven't heard about about half of last year's class. So you take that compiled with the amount of players that are coming in early. I think it was, I don't want to throw out a bad number, but it was almost two-thirds of this class that they sign is can come in as in school now. They're, you know, they're ready to come to school now. So you're going to have last year's class that was redshirted. You're going to have the guys that played. And now you're going to have an influx again of early enrollees. Now it's starting to happen where Miami's getting older. They're getting mature. But more importantly, they're not losing kids in today's day and age because they played five or six games. And now they lost the redshirt with the four-game rule. So they're, they're, they're able to hang around and get bigger and stronger and have an understanding. And if he's able to continue to redshirt and continue to bring them in early, in about year three, four, or five, this thing starts to steamroll, and you've got something working that's very, very beneficial to your, to your football team. Well, I just did a basketball game last night and talked about it with Coach L, where the team that Miami played, Louisville, was ranked number one in the nation earlier in the year. Ranked number 13 now. Here's their top six players. 23, 20, 22, 23 turning 24 in February, 23, and 23. So <laughs> that makes a difference. As uh, as uh, was once told to me by the old Big East Commissioner Joe, what you need is juniors and seniors to beat their freshmen and sophomores. That was Mike Trangizi. And uh, that was for basketball. I think that's where they are in football. And that would be where a lot of teams are because, because let's face it, the guys playing in the championship game, there's a reason they're in the championship game. They're at a different level of recruiting. Uh, so to offset it, you got to find a scheme, which hopefully Miami has found an offensive scheme, you got a defense to match it, because now when you go up-tempo and spread it out, but you go up-tempo, affects your defense a little bit. That's another story, another show. Uh, but to tilt the odds in your favor, it becomes what kind of scheme can you come up with and can you get a little bit older and then when you win, then you challenge for uh, the higher recruits. But they got a couple of guys coming in that I'll be very excited to see, as well as uh, this new scheme with Red Lashley. And next week is the championship game. So next Monday, we'll do a preview of that. And hopefully here uh, uh, in the offseason, we'll also talk with the Hurricanes' new offensive coordinator. Well, we'll definitely do that. We'll make sure that he comes on and and, and, and share with us his thoughts as well. But you know, you, you go back to how it affects the defense. It also affects the defense if you can score points. Oh yeah, right? yeah <laughs> those, sure. Those guys, yeah. those well. guys don't mind. Those guys don't mind having a couple extra possessions well. or going in on a couple quick three and outs. But if you got fourteen points, a fourteen point lead, and it makes everybody feel better. If you score a lot of points. It puts a lot of pre- it puts pressure on the other team to try to keep pace, right? Sometimes you pull them. That's Oklahoma's beauty. It pulls uh, the other team out of their identity. They can't keep up. You got to score. That's what college football is about: scoring. That's the number one metric to me. If you're looking at a defense, you know points per game. Uh, if you're looking at offense, you got to score. And hopefully, Miami's got the right guy here to put him in the end zone. No, I believe they do, and I think more importantly that they got they, they they have a nucleus 
of players that have spent the first year with Coach Diaz, and they understand what his expectations are. And I want to keep going back to it until uh, people question question me about it. But I think the, the the biggest impact is what's going on in strength and conditioning. And you know, we can talk about getting older, but you've got to get stronger. And and a lot of that comes with with natural maturity. But a lot of it comes because of the hard work in that weight room. And I've seen the physical changes that we have seen with these young men, uh, you know, just through the regular season last year. Forget the off season last year, but the regular season last year, how they maintain their strength levels and, and uh, for the young guys. And I think that that's really going to show, show some strong improvement as Miami moves forward towards spring football. All right, we'll, uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week when we preview LSU and Clemson. Next, we're going to talk to one of your favorite people. Katie Meyer is going to join us on the show. So I know <laughs> you'll enjoy that, and uh, we'll talk more football with you next week. Okay, Joe, you tell Katie hello, and uh, my best to Cheryl, and uh, Happy New Year, yeah, buddy. Yeah, and say, uh, you know, give uh, Priscilla a big hug for us. We'll do it. All right. See you later. There. All right. That's uh, Don Bailey Jr. And uh, when we come back, Katie Meyer will join us on the show. Then Chris Vanini will talk more about Hurricanes offensive coordinator, Red Lashley. I'm going to talk to you about Williamson Cadillac. You want to talk about a great system. You want to talk about. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 